Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I like doing it. You know, I love running routes. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. They seem like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clipped that. Looking forward to facing your mom at some point. Last night at the bar we were at, I had some really bad cases. I've never had no bad cases, really. It's Thursday, September 15th, and oh, man. We have a whole week's worth of stats to dig into. Thank God. It feels good to be alive. It feels good to be here. It feels good to have all of the weekly stats auto-populating. And it's a great time for for freaking Stat Nerd Thursday, right? Uh, Joining me every week so that we can nerd out over these stats is indeed Dalton Del Don. Dalton, buddy, how you doing? And more importantly, how are your survivor picks doing? Well, my daughter won her first cross-country race of the season this year, racing against oh, older kids. So uh, I highlight that for a reason, Harmon. Survivor carnage, man. In my my own personal pool, <laughs> 40 people down to eight. Uh, thankfully, I did a couple entries in the Vegas one, and one is still hanging by a thread thanks to the Ravens. Mm. But I also had the Bengals there. And uh, how frustrating. I mean, Five turnovers, two missed kicks inside 33 yards because of a snapper getting hurt mid-game. I mean, just tilting my face off beyond belief. Frankly, I got my money's worth already, though, just watching that game. Just absolutely insane. The teams I faded all lost to, at least. I was really against uh, the Broncos. Made the Seahawks my best bet. But I got a lot wrong, too. Uh, a whole lot wrong. And we, we can talk about that, I'm sure. But I'm glad football's back. Dude, it feels so good to have football back. I think you invited me into that personal pool, and I I think I forgot to enter. I'm such a I'm such an idiot. It was like a last second entry. Don't worry about it. Next time I'll bug you before, but yes, next time don't be a coward and, and sign up. So you can fire burn. I'm just I'm just messing with you. You could burn money if for no other reason. We can't let Andy Barons win. It's his first year in my league, and he's I already know. bragging about it, tweeting it out. It's the first year he's in, and he's suddenly one of the six remaining. We just can't let that happen. No, I know. I feel bad, honestly, for for not getting in there to at least take down Andy Barons. I mean, my God, we, yeah, you're right. We can't allow that to happen. But Dalton, you know, before we dive into the news, before we dive into all the stats, I do want to give you it's been so long since we podcasted together. I want to give you a chance to, you know, take a little victory lap here on Gabe Davis, pal. So we can at least, you can at least dunk on Andy there. Um, Gabe Davis, bro. How are we feeling? 
it was pretty sick to have the first touchdown of the NFL season be him. We talked to each other backstage, and it was pretty sick. But, I mean, he didn't exactly dominate the targets there either. Diggs obviously looked still like the alpha there. Happy to talk a little Saquon Barkley, too. He looked pretty good yes, week we one. Will. So, for at least one week, he uh, he looked uh, healthy and, and, and back like his old self. So, love to see that. But notice how quiet I've been about my 49ers, too. So, that didn't go quite as well as uh, Saquon Barkley in week one. Yes. We're, we're, we'll, we'll do Barkley talk. We're going to do Niners talk. Uh, we've got it all on the outline today. Of course, we could not not talk about the 49ers. We're going to talk about like the emotional roller coaster of the 49ers pretty much every week. That's what we do here on this show. But first, we will dive into the news here. Um, nothing super major, but a few kind of important notes to go through here. Uh, ESPN's Rich Zamini reports that Joe Flacco will start week two against the Browns. Oh, boy. Um, Zach Wilson's kind of back and throwing a little bit in practice, but we still expect him to miss a few more weeks here. So it is the Joe Flacco show. I mean, I think Flacco was like as expected. Um, there were certainly, I mean, he threw what did he throw like 59 freaking passes in week one? That was pretty unbelievable. And, you know, it was bit murky in the receiver core we knew that was going to be the deal uh i i did want to actually take a, a your temperature on the backfield though because um my guy zach miller who works with me um does some behind the scenes stuff on on rp with me he, i'm like out to dinner with my wife last night and he's like blowing me up on text about how i'm way too low on Brees hall like uh, i should be ashamed of, it's number one zach bro i mean Come on, pal. Uh, Brees Hall, give me a break. Uh, you, you know, he's like, oh, you're way too low on Brees Hall. He's still so enthusiastic about Brees Hall. I'm like, Michael Carter and him ran the same amount of routes in week one. Michael Carter kind of got some, he had that one egregious drop, but like Carter's pretty much running out as a start, starting running back there for the Jets. You know, Zach, I mean, my guy, if you're listening to this, come back to reality here for a second with this whole Brees Hall thing. Where are you on these Jets backs, Dalton? Am I, am I way out of line here on being too low on Brees Hall? Well, both can be playable right now with a checkdown artist, Flacco, and PPR leagues. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Hall did all that damage as or most of it as a receiver after that egregious drop by Carter. So it's unclear if that's something that carries forward into week two. But I think, like I said, both can be flex options in PPR leagues with just, just the constant checkdowns. But you say, as expected in the receiving core, I say I might have overdrafted Elijah Moore because that was a scary week one. Of course, the quarterback situation is going to change. But my argument was he was better off with Flacco. But Garrett Wilson made a really impressive play, breaking that tackle in the open field. And Corey Davis remained a target hog like he's been throughout his career. So disconcerting for Elijah Moore week one. It would be my main takeaway. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Garrett Wilson looks good. I mean, Garrett Wilson's a good player. We just need a quarterback here to elevate these guys. Like if, if it is going to be this crowded and it, it is like, I mean, the Elijah Moore thing was a bet on talent, right? And I definitely think that the talent will, will shine through many times. He's just not going to be like, if you think Elijah Moore is going to be an every week wide receiver too, that's definitely not going to happen. He's probably going to be like a boom bust flex type of guy that you're considering every single week. And you're hoping you get on the, you hope you get in the right game. So um, that's kind of where we're at on the Elijah Moore thing. But yeah, I, I think these running backs are both playable. I just, I'm not sure I see a scenario where like Brees Hall separates himself from Michael Carter to be like, I agree with you. These guys are probably both playable, but I don't see a scenario where Brees Hall becomes like a, a every week, high end RB two, low end RB one. Like, I don't really see that one. That That's kind of where I'm, uh, I'm struggling the most with the Brees Hall thing right now. He He's a guy that feels like when he went in the third round in some so third, fourth round in some drafts, like that feels like it's going to be pretty aggressive, but uh, maybe I'm wrong about that. And I'll own up to it. If I am wrong, 49ers signed running back Marlon Mack to the practice squad. Dalton, we put this on the outline simply for you to um, get your Niners takes out here, pal. How, how are we feeling after the week one loss to the bears in a unbelievable uh, monsoon? For the for the only when the Niners had the ball. 
Max just a depth thing. They like to they always carry four running backs. Um, yeah, what where to begin on that? I should have worried more about the weather there. A ton of late money p- piled in on the Bears money line early Sunday morning. There was new sod, of course, because a concert tore it up and it was pouring rain. I mean, Elijah Mitchell, I, it's just crazy. Mostert goes down week one last year and now Mitchell immediately. Yeah. I don't know how fault the field or conditions were. He took a helmet right on the knee. It looked like maybe any player would have suffered an injury, but it is what it is with him. Inter, you know, Jeff Wilson, the big fab guy this week. Same with uh, Jordan Mason. Um, do you know that I really didn't want to talk pro football focus, but I simply am forced to in this case. Do you know who led the league in big time throw percentage in week one? Who? Trey Just- Lance. Trailer. Oh, re- really? Yeah, tra- really? Yeah, tra- yeah. Yeah. So PFF also had, you know, uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes is their 28th ranked quarterback for the week too, or whatever. I mean, I can't, it is like ninth or whatever though, but it is comical <laughs> how that weather turned the second the Niners fell behind and needed to pass. I mean, it was just yep. the monsoon. It was rough. So, um, I mean, I would have, obviously I have Lance everywhere and I wish he had lit the world world on fire right away. Uh, anything but that happened. Uh, but talk to me again next week at home against Seattle. Um, he, he, you know, we better see some improvement. Uh, week one was just really tough to gauge under those conditions. Yeah, that's my thing is I think it's a throwaway week. I, I know that I think it's like a little bit of confirmation bias because we were already like, oh, the specter of Jimmy Garoppolo and, you know, worrying about Trey Lance. Uh, you know, you and I are both like Lance guys. So maybe we end up wrong in the end. But in the reality, the reality is like, you just go back and watch that fourth quarter literally whenever the Niners needed to pass the ball like it that it, it was like a monsoon at the end there like uh, it was not they were adding the yard lines in post okay yeah. <laughs> like they, you couldn't even see the damn yard lines on the field that's how sloppy it got um so uh, there were still some bit you're, you're right there were big time throws like that one throw to McLeod there was another to Jennings down the field from Trey Lance it's like oh yeah th- those things are it's gonna happen at some point I, I think he'll be fine but and this week against the Seahawks like that defense had its moments for sure against Russell Wilson, but there were also, and we'll talk um, the Broncos receivers here in a minute, there were opportunities that Russ left on the field there too. So we'll see if Trey Lance can make the most of those opportunities. One final there. Niners thought, I'll just say I may take the L on Debo. I still think he's maybe rough as a second rounder. The targets are not going to be there, but man, with Elijah immediately rushing, going down, yeah. maybe the rushing yeah. just is going to be even more this year. So yeah, he's he's going to be plenty valuable this year. So he could stay healthy. I mean, that's a, another question, but it's certainly setting up. I mean, Kittle missed week one too, which should not right, be under, underestimated thing, yeah. both for Lance's performance. I mean, for all, all involved, um, he's, you know, Big time real life player for them too. So uh yeah, Debo. Yeah, Debo looks like the carries are gonna in fact be there again this season. Yeah, exactly. And he and he had some carries even before Mitchell went down too. Uh, which is what I said in the offseason that if he's gonna return that second round value, like he better have some carries to him. Now he's gonna have even more because Mitchell's gone. So uh we'll see how that uh changes up the target pecking order as well. I just feel like I'll have a much more firm take about how this whole Niners thing is gonna go. On this, like a week from today, when we're doing this episode, we'll have a much better idea about how things are going there. Um, Rams placed rookie running back Kyron Williams on injured reserve. I think Kyron Williams was going to run out as the RB2 ahead of Cam Akers. Um, So if you are one of the three remaining people that still have hope for Cam Akers, this is actually probably good news for you that maybe he can, you know, climb his way out of the doghouse a little bit, that he can climb his way up the depth chart a little bit here. Um, But I know that you're really high on Daryl Henderson this week and kind of going forward, Dalton. Yeah, I mean, he it did not a huge box score, but he second highest snap share among running backs, first in route involvement. Um, I agree with you. It looks like Akers may not have even played uh, if not for the injury to the rookie. So uh, I, I get it. Henderson can't stay healthy himself, but he, I, I keep saying it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's among the highest 
yards per carry in the history of college football. So there's some upside there in a in a McVay offense you know, this week at home is nearly the biggest favorites on the board. I ranked him as like a top 15 back and it, the, the consensus is is not that he's like, out, you know, 25th or 30th rank. But I really think there's upside here. Maybe I'm wrong and they give Akers half the carries this week. But to me, Akers uh, Henderson was one of the more underrated players throughout draft season and continues to be right now. I think it would be more surprising if Cam Akers was like a huge factor in week two than it was surprising that he wasn't a factor in week one, if that makes any sense, right? Like, I think you could see the week one thing coming if you were following kind of the tenor of the offseason. I think it would be a shock if he was like super involved in week two. Like, he's not, a, I don't think you should be dropping him yet like Cam Akers, but I think he's basically like an upside stash at this point. He's going to kind of earn his way back into the rotation. Next thing up here, Alan Lazard returned to practice on Wednesday. Dude, I'm I'm not the biggest Alan Lazard honk in the world. Like, I don't think he's a great player, but man, they need Alan Lazard back out there on the field for the Packers. Uh, like, and I, I honestly don't know. I'm, I'm really curious to see what happens when Lazard comes back. Like, who gets pushed? to the side here the dusty veterans who are pretty not explosive anymore and randall cobb and sammy watkins or the rookies who both drew um aaron Rodgers ire in week one Tr christian watson and and romeo dobbs i mean it was don't i'm not like the biggest psychoanalyzer especially for a guy like aaron Rodgers, who's always seems to be a little pissed off but like when Christian Watson dropped that touchdown, like he he definitely looked like he looked over to the sideline with that kind of like I freaking told you this was you know this is how this thing was gonna go. So, Alan Lazard, I'm not I'm not like I'm not the biggest Lazard fan, but I am kind of tempted to bump him up the the ranks like a little bit here because they they just really really need him to just be competent, and I actually do kind of think he can be competent. You can't make it up. Literally the first pass play of the season for the Packers. Watson drops a perfectly thrown 75-yard touchdown indoors. I mean, yeah, you're right. That's exactly the look of disgust on Rodgers' face said it all. <laughs> and even he couldn't have Sammy Watkins erupt in week one. Um, I like stashing Dobbs still, if you can, in deeper leagues. Um, I do like him in the second half. But Lazard would easily be, if he's playing, he's my number one Packer receiver ranked. I backed off him in the rankings late in the season, and I think I might have overdrafted him elsewhere. He's not like a special receiver talent wise and battling the injury I do worry about his upside but for now it looks like he could be the clear number one receiver but my main takeaway Green Bay and the guy I went after during my free agent period uh Tuesday night in Yahoo leagues uh was Robert Tunyon I mean you heard Aaron Aaron Jones even flat out said you guys are all sleeping on him Rodgers loves him he went to tight end you in the offseason recovering from ACL surgery was maybe is unexpected maybe even be ready the regular season so in limited snaps he was targeted heavily on his routes last week and I think Tunyon especially with all the busts and my guy Cole Komet uh we ranked David and Joku too high Harmon I mean I'm dropping him already even the coach is saying he did a great job blocking so there was a <laughs> lot of busts in tight end made me laugh at my take again maybe Maybe this is the year that tight end is deeper than usual. Just a comical thought. Um, and, and, and obviously, Kelsey looks like the class there. But Big Bob Tunyon is my answer here. Yeah, and he took a lot of snaps out wide. He took a lot of snaps in the slot, too. Like, that was mostly his position. I, I agree with you. I think he's a guy who bumped up the rankings as well and somebody that we definitely need to be paying attention to. I would I would add him. I would add him before he has a big breakout game, like potentially in a national spotlight moment against the exactly. Bears. Uh, and I, I will say... I'm going to defend Christian Watson here for the second for a second. I'm not like the biggest Christian Watson fan in the entire world, but um, the fact that he did get that first target, the fact that he got separation. I mean, it was a, yeah. it was a pretty nice route. Like the guy can make big plays. I, I think that I think they probably should just go ahead and live with the um, 
like live with the ups and downs of Christian Watson. Like if, if I'm the Packers and I'm not, obviously I'm not Matt LaFleur. I'm, I'm, I'm this Matt. Like I would keep Watson and Dobbs to an extent, to an extent too out there because they need juice and like Watkins and freaking Randall Cobb are not going to give you any juice. So um, the, the, I, I wouldn't just completely write off Christian Watson just because Aaron Rodgers was super pissed in that moment. I mean, Hey, MVS had some of those moments in like 2020 and 2019, even though he didn't drop any balls in 2021. So just keep, keep it totally on. raw player coming out of North Dakota state, Trey Lance's guy and, and Rogers in an interview before the season, he said that that guy just runs differently when he got out there in the practice yeah. field, long strider, just, he presented, it's a different area of the field that none of the other receivers can. So uh, I hear you on that. Poor man's Martavis Bryant was my comp for him uh, <laughs> coming in. And and I think it may, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Like it's, I would love to see them get Christian Watson, like some of those Martavis Bryant, like plays in the open field, not necessarily just the deep shots, but uh, that that was what made Martavis Bryant alien. Like to me was in, in those moments. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm at least like, if you're in a deeper league, I would take the positives of Christian Watson playing a ton in week one and maybe pick him up in, in that respect. Um, I'm not going to be just totally willing to write him off just yet. Uh, last piece of news here. This one's kind of interesting to me. Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel would not commit to either Taron Armstead at left tackle or right tackle Austin Jackson playing in week two. Uh, both these guys have ankle injuries. The Dolphins play the Ravens in week one. The Ravens defense looked like the damn Ravens defense, buddy. Like they pressured Joe Flacco a lot. Obviously, the Jets have a bad offensive line. So just keep this in mind if you're relying on Dolphins players in in week two that I'm I'm kind of not expecting either of these guys to play. And we know that Tua has struggled when he's been under pressure. And Teron Armstead was a big addition for them in the offseason. So this could kind of sink the Dolphins pass attack at least this week. And the running backs, I don't feel very confident. Yeah. Uh, sorry, after last week. I mean, the Dolphins struggled offensively aside from that one play to Waddle last week. So, yeah, this is a real issue if those two two linemen are down facing the Ravens. D Tua owes uh, Tyree Kill like a, a a beer or something for saving an interception as well last week, too. Like that, yeah. I mean, Tyree Kill looking pretty good for the Dolphins. Really good. Sure. Yeah, you got to be encouraged by his usage for sure of the new situation. Definitely. 100%. All right, let's move into our stats for this week. I want to talk. A little Broncos here because we haven't had a chance to talk about that game. Um, obviously, we taped early with Eckler this week, so we couldn't touch on that. Um, I'm interested to see Dalton's reaction to this. The Denver wide receivers on 45 rush dropbacks. Cortland Sutton, 44 routes, 43.5% of the air yards, 7.1 target share. Jerry Judy, 41 routes on 45 dropbacks, 26.3% of the air yards, 17.1% of the target share. Dalton... I think you had Judy over Sutton, right? Am I correct in that? Like heading into the year? Yeah, all the signs on off the field shared together. I I, I put him. I was a coward and ranked him back to back. I think I did last sure, week yeah. too. But but yes, I did have Judy uh, higher. Uh, and who knows after this week? You, I mean, I'd love you to chart it and you tell me what your your thoughts are. Uh, all the, the the talk was Wilson showed rapport with Sutton. The stats showed Judy should be the guy. So it was it was great to finally see it in action. And it looks like Sutton the slight edge in the stats. But watching it, you know, the first half looked like Judy was the guy. So I, I think it's kind of a wash, right? I 100% I agree with you. I think that for parts of draft season, it was just clearly Sutton over Judy. I finally bumped Judy up after the Tim Patrick injury. And I, I think it, it was just almost always when something is universally accepted, which is it was universally accepted that Sutton is the one and Judy like Sutton is, is Russ's guy. And 
I almost always want to question it when something is universally accepted like that. Because also, I mean, I'm talking like, you know, 43.5% of the air yards here for Cortland Sutton. Some of those were straight up prayer yards, not air yards. Like Sutton on those go routes, I mean, he was not getting any separation at all, which is kind of the Cortland Sutton deal. But Russ's like ball placement on those passes too was total garbage. I mean, he was way off on several of those passes. They drew a pass interference play once, which is great, obviously, for the team. Not great for your fantasy team. But man, I, I don't know. Like... I think the gap here from like a rest of season perspective should be much closer than it was in, in certain drafts. I know in other platforms, like these guys went back to back, but in most like quote, real oh, no, people right. drafts. No, no, hundred yeah. percent. Every draft that was, was in gap. Sutton went higher for sure. I, I agree with and everyone I was in, but I think they should be close every single week moving forward. A couple quick other takeaways is I think our guy, Alberto is the guy I know it, it may not yes. have appeared it, but you look deeper into the stats and he does seem to be the guy. He should have had a long touchdown there. He'd been on the field instead of whoever the other person, I forget. They all look the same, but <laughs> yeah, and there, the, was it with like uh, Eric Sauberts, one of them, Andrew uh, Beck, Andrew Beck, Andrew yeah. Beck's yeah. another one. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Like there was another guy that, well, uh, Parkinson, the other Tomlinson, Tomlinson, Tomlinson yeah. on the roster. Well, yeah, because yeah. the Seahawks had a couple of like goofball tight ends out was, there too. So there's yes. a lot of a lot of tight end stuff going on. Yeah, but all the targets to the running backs. I mean, wow, Javante Williams, uh, you that was weird. And if that's the thing to come, boy, definitely good news for his PPR value. But yeah, I think Sutton and Judy should be valued similarly moving forward. Yeah, I mean, uh, I definitely dunked on the Seahawks for their quarterback situation. I think I called them an unserious quarterback situation multiple times, and Gino looked really really good honestly like he, he looked good uh, in his first game so I'll take I'll take the L on on disrespecting Gino um there but I, I will definitely like pat myself on the back a little bit for saying this Denver situation is not going to get off to like a hot start and I, I think it's gonna we'll see like we'll honestly we'll, we'll just we'll see how this goes I mean regardless if you liked both of these receivers you couldn't love the fact that Russ comes out there throwing a freaking running backs and tight ends like that's not what most people bargain oh I think offense. he's the lowest target percentage in the entire NFL to wide receivers right now are the Broncos which after week one which is hilarious given the the, the ADP of the of the receivers yeah the wide receiver target percentages ranks uh, absolutely last but um Geno Smith he played absolutely great but um he didn't throw he didn't even throw for 200 yards this was a kitchen sink game for the Seahawks yes it was a rust revenge game but I'm telling you the defense it was, it was a, a C- yeah. it was a it was Seahawks, Seahawks revenge game. game night game in Seattle new coaching staff um which might have made you know a couple one or two questionable decisions during their, their first game coaching so um I I think this might go down you know as Seattle's best game of the year but they also might not be a total doormat either and totally stay close to the 49ers this week who can't you know they can never separate from a team anyway so but definitely a great showing for Seattle and, and, and good for them 100% yeah you could tell um it, it's very I think Mike Sando who's had kind of his ear to this the Seahawks situation for a while he he pointed out on on uh Twitter I think it, on Tuesday like everybody who's close to Seattle and close to the situation with Russ and uh and the team is not surprised and not offended at like Seahawks fans booing the shit out of Russ when he came in there yeah anybody who anybody who's like is far away from the situation and hasn't been paying attention is like offended by it. Like from like the national media stuff like that. So it, yeah, again, it was just very clear. Like the Seahawks wanted to win this game, maybe just as much, if not more uh, than, than Russ wanted to win this game. But I agree with you, our big fantasy takeaway here, and we'll talk more Javante in a second, but the big fantasy takeaways, I think the gap between these two receivers has to close. And honestly, I think it's like, Judy probably should come up a little bit, but I think Cortland Sutton also needs to come down from like a, I mean, he was, he was going as like top 15 receiver in some spots. Like that's, I don't, I don't know if that's going to work out. Another teammate tandem I want to talk about here is the Falcons guys. 
I loved, and again, I will say this, is not just because I don't think Kyle Pitts is a wide receiver and I don't want to chart him as a wide receiver. I really like Kyle Pitts' usage in week one. I know the results weren't there, but he was out wide on 25.7% of his uh, routes. He he did pass block a little more than you'd want, like about 20% of his pass plays, but he did have 33% of the air yards. And the reality here, Dalton, and we'll talk Drake London as well. Oh boy, Drake London looks good. You want Kyle Pitts. It's cute that like, oh, his yards per route run against bad coverage. That's adorable. But you want him running routes against linebackers and safeties. And he's going to do that more if he lines up in line. He's going to do that more if he lines up in the slot than when he was doing like literal X receiver stuff last year. Pitts, yes, yes. He also, you said the air yards, his air yarded share leader. He was first among tight ends week one, more than in Travis Kelsey. But I understand fantasy managers are tired of the excuses and whatnot, but here's another one. Marshawn Lattimore has just shut down top pass catchers uh, recently, and he seemed to focus on pits uh, even during zone coverage. So again, tired of the excuses. We need to see some production from pits, but you look at the route participation, you look at where he's lined up as you're noting there, and it all points to, again, a, a far, far bright, very bright future. But man, what a frustrating week one for those like myself who again drafted him stupidly high and expect eruption <laughs> Uh, any minute now, you know, any minute now, Pitts. Yeah. I, I think he'll be fine. I mean, from a tight end. For sure. Oh, yeah, just, for he, sure. He's a like he's a tight end. He's going to have weeks where he catches like two balls. I mean, he did. But he saw the targets. He saw the air yards like that stuff will be there. Um, it's like he's, he's not going to be Travis Kelsey. He's not going to be Mark Andrews. That's I had him a tier below those guys. But um, yeah, I, I think he'll be fine. Like I think Kyle Pitts will be fine. The key here, though, Drake London, man, I mean. The reason they didn't have to use freaking Kyle Pitts as an X receiver is because they got themselves a legit number one receiver in the draft. Drake London, like I know there was some talk, and and I probably participated in this talk. Like, could he be used as a potential big slot? Could he be used like he was not at all? He was out wide on ninety point six percent of his routes, three point four yards after catch per reception, thirty one percent of the air yards. Bru buddy, that's what we want to see, like a concentrated offense between Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Um, I know the results was just five catches for like 70-something yards for Drake London, but dude, like get Drake London on your fantasy team if you don't have him already before he has some massive game. And this is a tough matchup, right? You talk about the Saints secondary, like they got some dudes out there. This is a this is expected to be one of the top five defenses in the NFL, and Drake London, he looked good, man. I, I'm, I'm, I really want to be high on Drake London this year. He looked good while not practicing the last few weeks. I mean, he, every time we've seen footage of him, he's looked great. He has all the, all the college geeks uh, say he's the the real deal. Um, I, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm with you. I think I think he's a top twenty five top uh, fantasy receiver moving forward. I'm indoors. I like Mariota. One concern, maybe Ritter during your fantasy playoffs, definitely. But yeah, I think it's going to be concentrated targets between Pitts and London. And I'm uh, oh yeah, I think he's going to separate himself among the the rookie wideouts. And uh, I'm with you here. Ab absolutely encouraged. Quickly, I just want to say two more tight ends that I want to note uh, one in this game Juwan Johnson if you're in a super deep league he he emerges the clear tight end for for the Saints uh um uh yes little Taysom Hill there is 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 eligible at tight end in Yahoo but Juwan oh Johnson uh in deeper leagues and your guy you know you have to say this twice to get you excited Logan Thomas really interesting stats there go at him Let's even go. in shout even in shallow leagues because Carson Wentz and I gave him a hard time his accuracy well here's the deal he still helps fantasy wise uh, Washington was surprisingly top five in pass rate uh, over expectation in week one. So yeah, I think I think Logan Thomas is another guy who's sitting out in a lot of waiver wires right now who could easily be a top 10 fantasy tight end.
the pride of Lynchburg, Virginia, baby. Logan Thomas is back. I am, I agree with you. And he lined up. We know he's like a, basically a big slot too, for this team. I I'm telling you, man, I, I don't know. I don't think I have any other Washington stuff on the outline, but I did just go back and, and watch that game chart Curtis Samuel. And like, dude, that that's, that offense is going to be fun. Like I love Dotson. I, I'm like a, I, I love Dotson a hundred percent. He's so good. I love Curtis Samuel. Love Terry McLaurin. I'm a big Logan Thomas guy. And like, Honestly, I'm a big Scott Turner fan. The, the you seeing said it him, now. yeah, I, I have been talking a lot about Scott Turner, but I mean, th- you saw in Week One, like this is what this offense is supposed to look like when it doesn't have Taylor Heineke at the pivot point. And I'm I'm sorry, ODU's finest Taylor Heineke, but it just is what it is. Carson Wentz is a huge upgrade. Like it just it, it, he is, and um, even if he's not that good, and he's not that good, but he's a big upgrade. And having like the the bigger thing to me was not just the fact that it was Taylor Heineke back there last year it was like the preseason boys around Terry McLaurin and now we've got like John Dotson Curtis Samuel Logan Thomas Antonio Gibson doing some fun things as a receiver I mean this offense is going to be it's going to be fun to watch and they have some great concepts that I love watching on film so I mean I I just think this Washington team is one to buy in on a fantasy I'm 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 Dotson over Samuel though like if you I know waivers have mostly run since you've heard this podcast, but are you are you agreeing with me that I, I think it's still Dotson? Oh yeah, for yes, yes, yeah. yes. Uh, yeah, I love okay, Sam. Cool. I hope he can stay healthy, but yeah, it's Dotson for me. Um, last Falcons note here: um, Carrero Patterson was awesome in Week One. I mean, he had I think was top three among touches in in running backs, and he was just basically used as a pure running back. He got a first down on forty five point five percent of his rushes. That was the best among all running backs in Week One. Like. I think CPAT is going to go down as one of the most underdrafted, undervalued players uh, from this summer. Yeah, uh, second guy to rush for 100 yards in the last 79 games, I believe, uh, versus the Saints. Um, I, okay, so part of the reason I ranked Patterson lower is because I didn't think a 31, 32-year-old can hold up the whole season, but I'll go ahead and just take the L. It's clear Atlanta's plan was to just treat him like the feature back right away. They put him in bubble wrap in the preseason. They Algier was a healthy scratch this game. It did help oh, that Damian yeah. Williams left hurt here. It did. I will yeah, say that. Damian sure. did leave hurt, but he returned at some point, and it was clear that Patterson was going to be the feature guy. So, yeah, as long as he can stay healthy and hold up. Man, because even down the stretch last year, maybe it wasn't just wearing down. Maybe it was just an ankle sprain that could happen to any back, you know, and it's not like he has a ton of career. His workload's heavy. So, yeah, I absolutely could be way off here, and a fun... We talked about Drake London and Kyle Pitts indoors with Mariota. If he's just the true feature back, I swung and missed big time here. I mean, it's it's very possible. Dude, Patterson, I wish he had come into the league like three years yeah. ago, not when yeah. he did in 2013. He went to like North was North was North Turner the OC yeah. Was was Zimmer was the head coach in 2013, right? Sounds when, right. when he was drafted. I mean, come on, man. He went to freaking Mike Zimmer's team. All, uh, all these years ago and uh, he could have been like doing this stuff for for years honestly I think he should have been a running back from the jump he was he, he's good I, I'm I'm pretty happy for the, for Cordero Patterson even if he still has me blocked on Twitter um, <laughs> all right this one comes in from uh, at Mark Dank he's ETR's projection lead he said uh, this morning if you want a glimmer of hope for your Dallas players and who couldn't use a little glimmer of hope for your Cowboys players with Dak out? It's worth noting that they didn't alter the game plan too much for Cooper Rush's week eight start last year. They had a 66.2% pass rate. Um, that was kind of right in line with pass rate uh, over expectation. Four, 428 air yards were the fourth most of the season. And Amari Cooper had eight catches for 122 yards and a touchdown in CeeDee Lamb 
had six catches for 112 yards against the Vikings on Halloween last year when Cooper Rush had to start. Um, it's also worth noting that Michael Gallup is unlikely to play, which is not surprising, uh, against the Bengals. I, I think Dallas needs to add a pass catcher, but this was at least like, if you're trying to hold on to some glimmer of hope for CeeDee Lamb, Dalton, I know you and I are both big CeeDee Lamb guys. This at least was like mildly encouraging to read. I'm, I'm mostly curious your thoughts on, on CD Lamb. Um, I, I mean, the, the, the targets are nice. I mean, forget even the quarterback situation. I mean, with Noah Brown, his number two receiver, is that just a threshold met that's it's too tough? I mean, is there too much coverage going his way? Um, frankly, I want to talk about, we're on the subject of me, things I feel dumb about. I had him ranked ahead of Devontae Adams. Yeah. I mean, there was some concern about leaving Aaron Rodgers. Uh, The dude led the NFL in target share and air yards. I mean, his target per route rate was like 12% higher than Cups and Jefferson's. I mean, he's going to be playing indoors. Josh McDaniels apparently is going to have a high pass rate if week one was an indication. Uh, I think there's a real argument Adams is like a top three player in PPR leagues if a draft were held today. Um, Now this week against Arizona's cornerbacks, he's going to go crazy. So feel uh, feel about as dumb as possible on that one. With CeeDee Lamb now, people are going to be questioning, should I even be have him in my starting lineup come week two with Cooper Rush throwing him the ball? So uh, tell me there, uh, what to do with, with CeeDee because... But that that boy, that feels uh, pretty bad in hindsight, just one week into the year. Yeah, I mean, I definitely wouldn't have done it if I had known that Dak Prescott was going to miss multiple weeks. In fairness, but still, but still, you couldn't feel you even during the game. And having I I had watched the entire Chargers Raiders game just before the the Cowboys and Bucks game on Sunday night. And I agree with you, Dalton. I think I've said pretty colorfully in in our text uh, this morning. I feel pretty stupid for for that as well um i feel like an idiot i mean my god Devontae adams like is the best receiver in the league and why why would they not throw the throw the hell out of the ball to him oh god yeah i feel i feel like an idiot hunter renfro wasn't targeted the first half i mean the guy yeah <laughs> i know wow yeah yeah why, why are you throwing to some little i mean i'm not gonna disrespect hunter renfro he's a good player but why why would you be throwing a bunch of passes to hunter renfro when you have Devonte adams like i mean give me a break he's Devonte adams yeah i agree more disrespect more disrespect. I feel like an idiot uh, for. He had for a life and death situation Adams. in this r- white rotter rapid with Derek Carr back yeah, in what is, what is State it? Adam, Le- Adam Levitan's calling it the died in each other's arm narrative, yeah, like Trump's yeah. the shower narrative. Like, yeah. I think it's pretty funny. But um, on CeeDee Lamb, I, I, I said this with Andy on a couple on yesterday's podcast, too, that it's just uh, or two days ago's podcast. Who knows what day it is anymore? Um, that it, it's it's. It doesn't even really matter if CeeDee Lamb is the number one wide receiver when the rest of the guys are like practice squad players. I mean, give me a break with Dennis Houston, uh, Semi Fajoko and these guys. Like it's 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 embarrassing. It's non it's a non-serious wide receiver situation. Like I know I think you actually said this on the pod, Dalton, that this was like a, a, a frightening scenario for you for your Dalton Schultz hype, but like Jerry needs to be on the blower with the Miami Dolphins yesterday and like get Mike Gusecki to come play like big slot receiver for for them, like come play split out because we know that Gusecki's out of the Dolphins plans and they need other pass catchers. I mean, uh, watching that game. Yeah, CeeDee Lamb's not really open because the defense is just squatting on short and intermediate routes. It's like anytime he catches the ball, there's like three dudes right there, not because they're they're not literally triple covering CeeDee Lamb, but they know where he's going to be running routes based on the formation. And like, they can just, they can just sit on those because you you're not worried about Dennis Houston burning you deep. I mean, that was that one deep shot to Dennis Houston there, the back shoulders. Like that was, this is a joke. Like this guy is, a, I, it's just a joke. Like it's a joke of an offense. So 
I don't know what to tell you about CD Lamb. I, I'm I I think he'll still be like a top fifteen receiver rest of season, but oh, I'm, okay. I'm obviously concerned. Yeah. I'm okay, concerned. but fifteen. I mean, I would actually take that right right now. I would I would take it if you get you tell me he's the fifteenth fantasy receiver moving forward. I I'd be uh, okay with that. Uh, Tony Pollard for Jimmy G. Couple of thoughts uh, on <laughs> on that possible swap, but looking at Pollard's pass protection. That may not be a fit, and he uh, that also might not be great for his fantasy value. I want your thoughts on Jalen Tolbert. By the way, I call them college geeks with love. Of course, I'm a nerd myself, but I, I talked myself into him at one point uh, because he had a real strong some target rate compared to his uh, teammates' historically pretended good things. But this is also a 23-year-old from South Alabama who was a healthy scratch on the team with the thinnest wide receiver group in, uh, in yeah, football. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, Tolbert was going in like the ninth round in some high stakes yeah, at bad. one point in summer. I mean, that's that's weird. I mean, these rec- rookie receivers, are, some of them are not off, you know, to, Wandell got hurt, but some of them are not off to the greatest starts. My guy Pickens, you know, still looking for him. So, uh, yeah. So thoughts on Tolbert. I mean, what happened there? I mean, dude, uh, yeah. When he got seamed up to like the ten- ninth, 10th round, it's like, come on, what are you doing here? You know, like that's ridiculous. I, I didn't mind him as a late round dart throw. Cause I think you're yeah, I, like, he had some positive stuff in his profile. Um, I liked him, you know, when he was going, around wide receiver 60 or something like that like that's fine you know go go for it at that point I think I had him ranked a a few spots ahead of consensus there but yeah you can't be surprised when a round three rookie from a small school is not ready to be like a starter from day one you know and um there was some positivity about him coming out of um uh, coming out of Cowboys camp but then it sort of started to fade away yeah um yeah yeah really faded and then he's a freaking healthy scratch in week one so yeah I'm a I'm I don't know. We'll see about Tolbert like he could he could get in the mix at some point during the year, but he's obviously pretty far behind. And and it's very, very discouraging that he's a healthy scratch when they're like I said, literally throwing out practice squad guys and maybe not even honestly practice squad guys. Like if if they cut Dennis Houston and Semi Fahoko tomorrow, is somebody rushing to put him on a practice squad? I don't know. Maybe they'll be great special teamers at some point. It's just it's an unserious wide receiver situation. But if you have CeeDee Lamb, like I would hold on. I think the targets will be there and you know in the lo- in the long run like I think Dak's going to we'll see if this is a good thing but it does sound like he'll come back at, at some point maybe even ahead of schedule I don't know and like I am a little I am a little encouraged by um the note from Mark Dank there from ETR like about the about the Cooper Rush start like he, Cooper Rush wasn't a flat embarrassment last year and he will get out there and fling the ball but it's a much worse situation now in Dallas than it was um you know less than a calendar year ago that's for sure All right, Dalton and I are going to take a quick break, and we'll be back right after this. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, before we uh, go a few more stats, I wanted to – Lord Podcast scolded me during the ad break there. I mean, we, he spent 15 minutes just because I was so wrong about this. Actually, Cordero Patterson was drafted in the last year of the Leslie Frazier situation and then went to Mike uh. Zimmer, which I'm you – know, I mean, mastermind Mike Zimmer and North Turner were definitely going to get the most out of a <laughs> weird talent like uh, Cordero Patterson, that's for sure. Um, all right, a couple of uh, top five lists here to get to before we talk about Thursday Night Football. Top five in situation neutral pace of play from week one. The Lions, 
the aforementioned Cowboys, the Eagles, the Texans, and the Panthers. We know that Dalton Dildon's Texans are still very exciting. We've talked a lot about the Eagles being exciting. We'll talk a few more Eagles here in a second. But Lions and Panthers uh, are interesting to me. I love that the Lions are playing fast. I love that, like, they want to, you know, there's a lot of players that we like there, and that's good, especially if the defense continues to stink. Like, they will absolutely be one of Scott Pianowski's carnival teams that are really good for fantasy. But I want to just get your thoughts on the Panthers after week one. Um, I think the fact that they play fast, which is a Ben McAdoo trademark, is kind of good news for these guys, even if uh, week one was a mixed bag, that's for sure. That's super good news considering, yeah, CMC and our guy DJ Moore, very discouraging first starts, which I would say you give a little bit extra weight to given that it's the first time he's played with the new quarterback, you know, so it's not yeah. like any other mm-hmm. first game. And of course, we all overreact to week one to begin with. But Robbie Anderson caught the big, you know, the one play was a 75 yarder, but that is what he's good for. So discouraging DJ Moore and McCaffrey, but McCaffrey had this one like 30 yard play. I don't believe they counted for his yards from scrimmage because he picked the ball up. So it counted as a fumble recovery. So I think he's going to be just fine and um i think he'll be just fine and you'd love to see this top five in in this pace absolutely that's encouraging definitely yeah they came out like throwing the football too which is interesting because um matt rule last year was like oh you know you gotta we gotta play ground and pound football but it's clear they have some level of confidence in baker mayfield which is is good i think you still shouldn't necessarily be building your offense around Baker Mayfield. I, I would, I would kind of bulk at that, but he didn't look I, great, man. He looked bad every no, time I yeah. would look and he looked awful. And I've, I've, I've been his backer saying, Oh, he plays in windy conditions, torn labrum, this and that boy, he did not look good to me. Well, but Dalton, he looked like a guy that got to that team in like July, right? Fair. Like he yeah, got, totally. he got there so late. And that's another thing with the DJ Moore stuff. Like it's going to, it's going to take a little bit of time for some of these guys uh, to get integrated. But I do think that's an encouraging note on the Panthers. It makes me feel a little bit better about Moore and McCaffrey. Like those guys, I think we'll figure it out. Who do the Panthers play this week? I don't, I don't even know off the top of my, off the top of my head. Panthers play the giant, the Panthers play the giants this week. So Ben McAdoo revenge game. Um, And I actually like these guys as potential bounce back players here in week two. All right. Some running back stuff here to get to before uh, we move on top five running backs in yards before contact per rush. Leonard Fournette, number one, Javante Williams, number two, DeAndre Swift, number three, uh, CEH, number four, and our guy Cordero Patterson at number five. Um, I think, like, it was encouraging to see how good of a running team the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were in week one because they have had so many offensive line injuries and they continue to have offensive line injuries or left Mm, tackle suffered an injury against the Cowboys, Donovan Smith. But, dude, Leonard Fournette looks great. I I think Leonard Fournette is, is... still one of the most disrespected running backs in the NFL. Like fantasy folks just think he stinks and he's a volume guy, but he's a pretty good back. And Javante Williams too. How do we feel about Javante after, after week one? Well, you absolutely love the targets in PPR league, but it's more of a mixed bag too, out carried by Gordon. So I think it's going to be, uh, I mean, Russell Wilson, the offense moved the ball, put up a ton of yards. It's going to, I think it's a nice smash spot this week. So I think it's fine, but it's definitely, definitely uh, unexpected. All those targets. I'd love to talk quickly about my guy, Lenny. I got called out on my Fournette rank in the Fantasy Pros podcast earlier this morning because I guess I'm way above consensus on his rank, but didn't he look good week one? I mean, he yeah. played. What are they calling he, you out for, pal, being right? No, no. This, this week, <laughs> I guess I have him ranked too high against the Saints' stout run defense. They gave up 200 rushing yards last last week. Um, but yeah. I... Uh, or, but I, um, I, uh, Fournette, so he played almost every snap in the first half, ran almost every route. I mean, before the game got out of hand, then the rookie White came in, and now no Chris Godwin. Russell Gage does not look right. Mike Evans is always slowed by New Orleans, so I think he's going to see a ton of touches 
this week. And yeah, he looked great. I mean, Tom Brady leads the NFL in target percentage of running backs the last five years. So, I mean, what, there's a concern that Fournette can stay healthy all year long. But man, when he when he is right now, especially with no Godwin, he's like a top five fantasy back for me. Top top three. There's a big three. We all know CMC, Taylor, and my guy Barkley. And then I think I have him right there this week uh, four. But uh, that's that's how I see it. Yeah, I mean, I th- I'm still taking Eckler there, too. Uh, I think he can have a big game on Thursday, and we'll talk about that. But, like, sure. oh, yeah, big old render there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I agree with you. Like, Lenny is top five. Like, I think I'd rather have Leonard Fournette right now over, um, like, in the same breath, at least, as, like, a Dalvin Cook, right? You know, I think, yep. like, um, probably I'd rather have him than rather have him than Derrick Henry. He's good. Like, oh, yeah. he's a good player. I mean, he's just a straight-up good player, right? and I think he gets disrespected too much for some stupid reasons. But um, we'll move on to top five running backs in yards after contact per rush. Number one, Saquon Barkley. Number two, DeAndre Swift. Number three, Miles Sanders. Uh, no, number five, uh, number four, not a running back, actually, Jalen Hurts. What a, what a monster. And then number five is Rashad Penny. I want to talk about Saquon Barkley and DeAndre Swift, but starting with Barkley, dude. He looked awesome. He just looked great. Like he, I, I immediately like rest of season rankings, put him at freaking running back four. Like he, he's he's gonna be incredible this year. Man, you love to see it for just one week. I'm sure he'll suffer some injury moving forward. But man, no, I, I, don't, I, no, no caveats. Just take the victory lap. I'll take the victory lap. You know, I went to Las Vegas as I was burning my survivor injuries. I also uh, they limited me at a casino and I moved the line on Saquon to win the rushing title. I had to go to multiple places to get money down. So let's go. If Saquon wins the rushing title, all the rest of the NFL season's moot for me. Let's, let's so so please let's stay go. healthy. Honestly, it really did look just great for football fans to see the guy. Guy's 25 years old, one year older than Najee, and now he's healthy again. Man, you love to see it. Just one of the funnest players to watch. So please, please stay healthy. Yeah, first in routes run, first in target percentage too. Just and obviously he was awesome as a rusher, as the stat shows. And I mean, dude, Brian Dayball in the locker room, like dancing with the boys afterwards. Like both Sterling Shepard and um, you know my guy Sterling Shepard, love to see it. Uh, and Saquon Barkley, like going crazy with Brian Dayball on the sideline. It's like, those are guys that have been through the ringer with some like, you know, goofball coaches there. And they love this guy. Like, that's great to see like that immediately. I don't know how good of a coach Brian Dayball is going to be, but the fact that he had the onions and, you know, tough look for Nathaniel Hackett, not having the onions on the fourth, like to go for the, to go for the two point conversion. Like, I think it's just great news for the giants overall. And I agree with you, dude, Saquon Barkley. I'm, I'm going to be, I have no no money on it, but I'm going to be rooting for him to win the rushing title for you, Dalton, because that would be Dude, sick. Dude, uh, dinner's on me next time together, if, if that's the case. <laughs> Can I get a shout-out to myself for one more New York Giants call? We had one player to pick with the widest range of fantasy outcomes. Mine was our guy, Kadarius Tony, <laughs> yeah. And boy, was I right about one range of outcomes. That's seven snaps. I mean, droppable, right? I mean, your guy Shepard, far more valuable than mm. PPR leagues moving forward. I mean, what do you do with Tony? Obviously, it depends on the depth of your league, but the coaching staff, there were rumors. I mean, Evan Silva had it in his matchups column saying yep. saying that the, the coaching staff is down on him. That proved to be 100% correct given his playing time or lack thereof. I have Tony in a few spots because he went so late that it was like, why not take the oh take the shot on the wide range of outcomes? I'm I've never been the biggest Kadarius Tony fan as a player, so um you know I've I've had questions about him as a route runner and as a technician and like we'll see. Basically, I I wouldn't I wouldn't drop Kadarius Tony like on the teams that okay. I have him on. I'm not I'm not ready to drop him just yet because I, you don't I think, think Richie James be- is going to lead the the team in air yardage share? You mean you don't think <laughs> 49er Probably, Richie James? Pro- 
Yeah, right. 49ers legend Richie James. Probably not. But I do think that, like, I think there's a chance he kind of has, like, a Brandon Ayuk type of season, right? Where he gets like, – he if he, like, works his ass off and proves himself to the coaching staff right. like Ayuk Second did half. last year, which is the stuff we don't know, right? Like, what's how is he going to react to this? I don't know. There's – like, you get the, a type of vibe from Kadarius Tony, right, that, like, he might – be a little interesting of a guy that's for sure like a different type of dude so um we'll just see how he we'll see how he reacts to this right and like in in four or five weeks if he's playing a normal snap load along with kenny galladay and and sterling shepherd i wouldn't be surprised but if he continues to stay completely marginalized i wouldn't be surprised either so i'd give it a couple more weeks see how it goes and then maybe you drop him and, and just hope that he doesn't become like a league winner on somebody else's team but I I kind of doubt it. Yeah, because if he is suddenly getting a full time job five weeks from now, he'd be a type of guy I'd be recommending to go ahead and splurge on, you know. But but I have dropped him in one league, and it probably I hope I live to regret it because I'd love to see Tony, you know, get a chance. But boy, that was discouraging. But the thing is, too, like even if he comes back, like this idea that he was going to be the alpha receiver in this offense, like I don't think that's possible anymore. Because number one, I don't think he's good enough to be that guy. And I'm telling you, Sterling Shepard is a good player, and like I know he can get hurt at any moment. But if he stays out there, like he's going to command targets. He's going to, you know, he's the best route runner, best separator. Man, um, a bad week for Cam Akers. Not just his production, but James Robinson and Sterling Shepard. They're both, right? Shepard was at Achilles, right? Are they both yes. recovering from Achilles? And boy, they look just fine right away. So tough scene, as the kids say, for, for Cam Akers when, when it comes to health. Last guy I just want to talk about here, uh, and then we can move on to Thursday Night Football. Uh, well, I got another thing to talk about. Eh, you know, whatever. We talked about enough of these running backs. Last thing before we move on to Thursday Night Football. DeAndre Swift was on both of these top fives here in yards before contact and yards after contact. A couple of things on Swift. I said this going into the year with the Lions. Like, we haven't seen these five linemen play together. Like, they've – and they have good um, – they've got good offensive linemen. And we, now we're finally getting to see this unit together. That's great to see. DeAndre Swift looked awesome as a runner, dude. And and there were some clips from Hard Knocks where um, Deuce Staley was getting on him about, like, finish. You need to run harder, that type of stuff. That's why the team loves Jamal Williams. That's why everybody loves Jamal Williams because he runs hard and he gives it all 100% of the time. And, like, if Swift has taken to that coaching and he's now going to become – we know he's dangerous in the pass game even if he doesn't get a, a ton of targets. And now he's going to be a great rusher, like – DeAndre Swift's a guy that I had, oh man, I had Aaron Jones ranked ahead of DeAndre Swift and that was like a hot take and I'm already regretting that. Um, I'm reg- I mean, I'm shoot, I'm regretting like ranking Derrick Henry ahead of DeAndre Swift at this point. I was a Swift guy. I was ahead of all those guys. But having said that, as we record this, he missed Wednesday's practice. So something to check yeah. on. Who knows? Hopefully it's just maintenance, but it could be. Yes, he is injury prone. So um, it's tough, you know, to celebrate the guys that did well in week one when part of the problem they weren't drafted high was durability risk. So he, he definitely falls under that category. But man, he looked awesome. You said it. Uh, I'll put it this way. If Jamal Williams weren't taking goal line carries, Swift would be the big four with the three aforementioned yeah, guys. Yep. <laughs> but as is, even with losing goal line uh, carries to Jamal Williams, he's in the tier directly after right there, you know, the four to 10 range. So uh, yeah, you, you, you hope he's healthy and man, he's going to be fun to fun to have on, on your roster and especially in PPR formats. Yeah. Oh man. He's a fun player. All right. Let's talk Thursday night football. As we are recording this, we got news from Brandon Staley that uh, the Chargers have ruled out Keenan Allen for Thursday night football. That's not surprising. I think we expected that. You know, we talked a, a lot of Thursday night football. We took a lot of Chargers and, and Chiefs, uh, obviously, with Austin Eckler 
on the previous podcast. So definitely check that out if you haven't already. But Dalton, I am I am curious just how you feel about this one overall, and and um, it just I have a couple thoughts as well to add on what we talked about with Austin. Yeah, I'd like to talk, ask you about Mike Williams, another player I got called out for on the Fantasy Pros pod. I have ranked too low this week, um, and and I get it. It's the highest total of the week, and there's no Keenan Allen. But, uh, man, they just spread it out so much. Last week, even after, with Allen leaving, Williams had 10 scoreless yards on four targets. His dot was 3.5 yards, ranked 83rd among receivers. Uh, you're, I uh, uh, enjoyed Eckler's edge. Eckler, you know, basically said that they're going to spread it out. But then, again, he also pointed out that Mike Williams is making $20 million yeah, this year. Yeah, yeah. So, so maybe the targets will come without Keenan Allen. So I'm curious your thoughts on the Mike Williams situation because, boy, I, Josh Palmer was my favorite of those mid-round receivers to go after and he you know he took a backseat to deandre carter so uh i'm really just mostly curious your thoughts on the receiver situation with no allen a couple things on on mike williams number one this is this is the mike williams experience like if he goes out and after a two catch performance in week one and catches like eight for you know a buck 30 and a touchdown and wins you a week like i would you be zero percent surprised I, I wouldn't be shocked at all no, that's exactly right. I said he's the best ball crutch. He's like, yeah, I'm going to make me look right, dumb yeah. or right with my ranking. No in between. Because, yeah, I, I, I just think ranking wise, there are just, you know, there are 20 receivers. You simply are safer because of the targets. So that's why it's weird. The sure. ranking, you know, r- rankings just, you know, obviously don't work perfectly. So that's to- no. you're right. Yeah, he probably is going to. And if there's ever a spot, it's the one with the 55 over under this exactly. Thursday night with uh, defenses only a practice to prepare for. So, yeah, absolutely. It's an eruption spot. And this is this is uh, the thing with Mike, too. Like this is where I get in uh, like, I'm going to get on my receiver soapbox and like, just because Mike Williams and Keenan Allen have WR next to their name, they don't do the same thing at all. So I know that's like the kind of the thing. It's like, well, Mike Williams goes out. I mean, uh, Keenan Allen goes out and Mike Williams doesn't have a big game. It's like, well, Mike Williams is not going to go out there and have the same matchups that Keenan Allen was having in that game. And Keenan Allen was going to absolutely torch the Raiders in that game, right? He had four, four targets, four catches, 66 yards right away. He was open on, um, you know, shout out to Justin Herbert was getting him on looks on those, you know, intermediate routes, the deeper routes, downfield stuff. That's great to see because Keenan Allen can can and still does do that. But, you know, Mike Williams plays a totally different position. He's out there on the perimeter. He's going to run deep routes. I know he did have the shorter average depth of target. And like he had kind of those more traditional routes at different points last year. But the primary thing that Mike Williams does for this team is he stretches the field and he's going to be the outside X receiver and Keenan Allen just doesn't play that same position. So that's my counter to like, Oh, he didn't have the big game when Keenan Allen went out. It's like, well, yeah, Deandre Carter stepped into the Keenan Allen role. Totally. Yes. And and, and then that, that does worry me a little bit about Josh Palmer, who I think could get steamed up. Um, I'm also not sure that Josh Palmer is that good of a player, but totally. um, Yes. (laughs) You know, that's another thing, but I'm sure that, Look, if Palmer has a nice game, like I think Mike Williams is going to have a big game, but if Josh Palmer goes out and has a nice game and DeAndre Carter does nothing and he was a week one fluke, I wouldn't be surprised at all. But I do put a little bit of credence into what Austin said about how Carter had like looked good as a route runner and looked good as a, a traditional receiver in camp and might have earned more playing time over a guy like Jalen Guyton who did nothing in, um, in week one. So if he goes out there and, and DeAndre Carter is better than Josh Palmer this week, like I wouldn't be surprised at all. I, I just want to, good stuff, Harmon. I just want to talk about the QBs quickly. First of all, Mahomes yes. is just a class by himself, just 
the goat. I mean, he's the best right now, just just unreal. And Herbert, who I was, uh, you know, slightly ever so slightly down on in fantasy terms, I came across a couple of interesting notes with him, just how awesome he is in real life. Um, for one, I guess this is the first time that he's had the same offensive coordinator for back to back seasons, like since high yep. school yep. and turnover worthy plays last year. Uh, his percentage, not only was it the lowest in the NFL, uh, Herbert under pressure ranked uh, a, a better the fewest turnover worthy play percentage than anyone w without pressure he was number one and number two was herbert including under pressure he had the lowest turnover worthy play percentage <laughs> than any other quarterback without pressure i mean that's pretty wild man so he's awesome you heard your eckler being like just wow how fun it is to play with him and he just makes these crazy throws so i don't know what's up with the chargers in real life though i thought i don't know if it was a philip rivers thing in the past but whatever it is his last two games against the raiders you look at the epa per play they should have won by 48 points and they're both right down to the end so i'm not blaming that on herbert the coaching's weird there always just take the points with them involved um but um man it's gonna be a, a fun one on thursday night uh watching these two these two qbs go at it yeah how are you feeling about the chiefs though like on on their side i mean yeah mahomes i agree class of his own dude he looks so awesome i think he's gonna tear it up this year receiver core was kind of as i expected uh the running backs are interesting though like how do you feel about ceh we mentioned him that he hit was uh top five in yards before contact per rush we know they have a great offensive line there and you know pacheco got involved but it was like later in the game right like i, I kind of think ceh makes for a decent I, I would start him in this game um even though the Chargers defense looked awesome last week he looked good too. You know, I always talk, I always talk about Andy Reid and Mahomes, even just the best combo. But you just kind of passingly say they have a good offensive line. Man, they made a couple additions in the offseason. They they have a dominant offensive line as well. You yeah, combine right, those three right. things, man. This is a tough. So I picked him to win the Super Bowl. I don't feel bad about it after Week One. Uh, Ceh, absolutely. Pacheco um, was one of only two players that didn't break a tackle on there by themselves. Two two running backs. Sorry. Um, Ch Ch looked good. Um, the, the situation looks amazing. He's not going to be a total workhorse, but, uh, yes, I, I moved him up my rankings, uh, based on, on the week one action and, and yeah, the spreading out the receivers, um, uh, I guess it's going to be Kelsey and then the scraps and man, Kelsey should have been the, <laughs> the obvious number one fantasy tight end, I guess. If it, uh, again, yeah, I mean, part of it is, can the guy, you know, hold up at 32 years old and whatnot, but, um, these are good matchups and they keep the foot on the gas pedal. And, uh, yeah, you got to like we've seen from Kelsey and, and then the receivers are probably just going to rotate weekly as Mahomes, uh, you know, warned us before the season. Oh, I mean, I disagree about Juju though. Like, I think coming out of Week One, you got to feel pretty good if you like you catch what Juju catch six passes. Like, I think he's going to be. An, I think he's an every week start. I would play him in this game. Like, J.C. Jackson sounds like he's getting out there uh, potentially, which is pretty crazy that they had that good of a performance in Week One. They get three turnovers, they get a bunch of sacks for do the Chargers, and they didn't have their like prized uh, cornerback addition. Uh, from the off season. So, um, but you know, Juju's a guy who always avoids top coverage because of the way he plays that flanker slot position. Um, I'm not messing around like MVS. I don't care about that and that type of stuff. You know, McCole Hardman did get into the mix later in the game as well, but Juju and um, Kelsey were the clear cut, like top route runners and obviously MVS too. So I I'm, I'm still pretty bullish on Juju. I might have worded that wrong. You're right. I'm ranking Juju as a clear fantasy starter and none of the other guys, but I don't know if it's he's going to be. I, know, I mean, you know, the upside appears a bit limited and, and more valuable oh, sure. in PPR, in PPR, but it's not quite what we would hope for. But but absolutely, you're starting Juju with confidence, especially in this matchup. Uh, you, let, let's pick this game. Who, who are you picking? Oh, man. Um, This is in KC. I'll go KC by three. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think that sounds about right. Uh, last thing, I would just want to point this out with the Chargers, too, because 
I think we do have to start giving some um giving some like credence to the idea that these teams that don't play any guys at all in the preseason um some of the players might get off to slower starts on these teams like Eckler talked about that on the last episode we obviously we know Mike Williams got off to a slow start obviously I mean Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen they didn't look like they were off to any sort of slow start but some of these other teams like Green Bay they don't play any guys in the preseason the Rams don't play any guys in the preseason they got rocked in week one um they they, this might just be something going forward in fantasy to keep as like a potential buying opportunity like the teams that that just basically go through the motions with their starters on preseason don't even play these guys like in the, in the first few weeks and in, in, in next few seasons or whatever like maybe keep that in mind and like um you know look at them as potential buys early in the like later in september and then mahomes remember week one just for dfs goes berserk it's like four years in a row i don't know if it's just like yeah. an expanded it's extended by for andy Reid or whatever just gets prepares for that week one opponent and he just goes absolutely crazy because his numbers in week one are are out of control. But yeah, it's interesting to hear Eckler talk about, you know, how short little practices they have for these Thursday games. So it makes sense of why, you know, the football would be sloppier. But man, this over under is like three and a half points higher than any of the, any this week. I think it's approaching 55. So should be fun for, for fantasy managers. Should be pretty electric. All right, Dalton, what you got coming up this week that the people can check out? I have uh, my sit-start column on Fridays, so uh, look forward to that. And just follow me on Twitter for you know some fire takes out there that you you know you know I'm gonna gonna throw out there, Harmon. But uh, it was I just mean, great better. to have football back, man. Just just please stay healthy, Barkley. Let's see Trey Lance week two. I mean, it's really really interesting, man. There's a lot of hate on on Trey Lance. Let me tell you, I have people in my yeah, DMs just telling me I made a big, a, a worst decision of my life, changing my Twitter icon to Lance, and I'm going to have to move to a different state. And just, man, there's a lot of hate out there. So really rooting for my guy Lance Sunday. I really hope he bounces back. Well, I can't wait to talk about it with you a week from today. Uh, the, the, the week three Stat Nerd Thursday podcast is going to be electric and absolutely important. All right, for now. That's going to do it for us. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. As Dalton said, for God's sakes, let's get some fire takes going from the at Dalton Del Don account. While you're there, while you're checking us out, make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. A lot of great tweets coming from that account. If you like the show, for God's sakes, how can you not like the show? Leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Andy Barron's. The king of the waiver wire will be making his triumphant return to do the week two preview for the rest of the games. Until then, we're out.